Our first speaker this afternoon is going to talk on learning to trust again. And this is Bonnie from uh, North Carolina. <laughs> Couldn't think of where she was from. So, Bonnie, would you please come up? Hi, everybody. I'm Bonnie. And <clears throat> the first thing I want to say is that since December of 1996, I have not found it necessary to control, manipulate, um, butt my nose in where it didn't belong, open my mouth, give opinions where they weren't needed, uh, lie, cheat, or steal to get what I thought I needed out of life, which was to be happy. And, of course, that's the date that I entered uh, the program of Al-Anon. Um, I'm not up here because I'm an expert at this. I'm up here to share my experience, strength, and hope, and hopefully to get what, what you all have. I mean, they say to get it, you have to give it away. But I'm going to try to try to just share some of my experience and get from you and also hopefully give you a little bit of what I've got. When I was asked to give this, talk, I was thinking, what do I know about trusting? The, the, the topic was learning to trust again, and that was something I hadn't learned to do yet. I hadn't learned to trust. Um, and as I was journaling on the subject, trying to figure out what I was going to say, I realized that the topic wasn't what I have learned or how I learned, but that I am learning, um, not that this is a done deal yet, and I am still learning. And the other word that hung me up was, again, and I realized, well, if, if I'm learning to trust again, that means I must have learned, I must have known how to trust at one time, so this is about learning to trust again. Um, uh, I, I thought about the first memory I had of not trusting. Or, or when I was taught that it was not safe to trust. And that was when I was about five or six years old. Uh, I was living in Philadelphia at the time. And Philadelphia is just down the road, but it's taken me about 51 years to get here, where I'm standing right now. It's been a long road and one that I wouldn't trade for anything. But at that time, my dad was a plant manager for uh, in a textile plant in Philadelphia. And on Saturdays, it was very special for me to go to this plant with him while he was, you know, working with the equipment and, and the machine, excuse me, the machinery. And on this particular Saturday, while he was busy with what he was doing in the plant, I wandered off into another area of the plant. And by the time I got back to where he was, well, he was gone and there was no one around. The plant was totally empty. The big metal door was closed. So here's this little child, frightened, alone. Frightened puts it mildly. I was terrified. Um, I can't even, even begin to describe what that feeling was like, but I, I started screaming. I mean, you know, I had to get out of this place somehow, and... I found a, a window that was open except for bars on the window. It was, this was not in a really good part of town, but fortunately the window was open and someone did hear me screaming. 
and was able to find help for me. I got out of the plant and the point of the story is that to this day, and even until about three weeks ago, when I was checking some facts of the story with my parents, um, I, I was made fun of, I was ridiculed, I was teased, and I was mocked at the way I was screaming for help. And this was coming from the people who were supposed to be taking care of me. And instead of nurturing this child who was alone, lost in this huge manufacturing plan, I was, I was made fun of. And that's where it got set in for me, that I could not trust my feelings and, in fact, my very being with the people that were my parents, that were my caretakers, the people who meant the most to me. And out of that experience, I learned that it wasn't safe to trust. And it has taken me a very long time to come back to even being willing to put my trust in anyone or anything. Um, I sort of look at that, at my life, the experience of not trusting as water dripping on cotton candy that just sort of dissipates. And I think that's what happened throughout my childhood. There are other little stories, but when I was told, well, think back to the first time you couldn't trust. And, and I was able to take it back to that experience. Um, I believe we're given what we need when we need it. And when I was given this topic it, it, uh, by Elaine, I was then given experiences by my higher power to help me work through the process and to look at my issues around trust. Um, I want to get the good stuff from life. I want to get the good stuff from you all. And the way I'm going to get that is to trust you. And as difficult as that is, because by trusting, I'm being vulnerable. I'm risking my life. Um, it, it involves intimacy and the, actually, you know, I could be betrayed. I could have pain. I mean, there, there are a lot of things around trust that are just can be very unpleasant. As I said, I want the good stuff. And with the good comes the bad. And, and so I have, through what I've learned in this program, I have learned to be willing. And as they say, you know, to fake it till you make it. And I don't really like that term, but it works for me sometimes. I've learned to trust the process. The third step tells me that I can trust in my higher power, which I must say that my relationship with my higher power is the most powerful, important, and sacred relationship I have today. And I do trust my higher power when it comes to issues with my husband, with my children, and, and you know, after I go through all the stuff that I went through for years that didn't work, I can come to just handing them to my higher power and turning over my will and my life. Sometimes, too, when I'm talking about trusting, if I change the vocabulary a little bit, sometimes trust seems just too big. It seems like way too much to trust someone. So if I can kind of bring it down a little bit and just maybe have confidence in instead of trust in, that helps me to be able to grasp that a little bit better and to be able to, 
to work with that person and and uh, knowing that I'm still taking care of myself because all of this is about taking care of myself. Um, you know, I was talking about my relationship with my higher power and I, I know that my higher power has always been with me. I don't always recognize it, but I have had an experience, I've had experiences that I'm just now recognizing as little signs from higher power that, that I can uh, believe that, that he's there. And I have about five bird feeders in my backyard and I have a real hard time getting the kinds of birds I want, which are goldfinches. They're beautiful little gold birds, and I hear other people talking about having flocks of them at their feeders, and I never get goldfinches. But one morning I noticed after a particularly painful interaction with my husband that I noticed two goldfinches on the feeders. And I needed that sign right there and took that to be a message from my higher power that yes I am here and I care and you are okay and the mantra that I that I've been using lately is that I'm okay and when I see these goldfinches on my feet or from time to time it's a reminder that I'm okay and that I can trust my process that I can trust God I do trust God today um, as far as trusting people, that that is a really big issue for me. And the way I trust people is to trust my gut. My higher power will talk to me through my gut. I know some people are not trustworthy. Through the grace of this program, I know how to take my take care of myself around that. And I, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt. And if they prove untrustworthy, that's something I can deal with because I know how to take care of me. Um, I don't pretend to have the answers to this. I'm, stro- I'm struggling with trust on a daily basis. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because it has given me a lot, a, a lot of time to myself to think about where I am with the issue of trust. And what came up time and time again was how, how I can use my program which I, I do believe that the solutions are in the steps, which is something my sponsor says time and time again. And I'm going to kind of finish with a paragraph that's in one of my favorite pieces of literature, which is, As We Understood. And I wasn't actually reading, trying to find anything on trust, but I opened the book one day, and this is the page I opened it to. It's a short paragraph. It says, I thought I was working my Al-Anon program fairly well on my own initiative, but working with God was a different story. I found it difficult to let go, even though he has given me some miracles to boost my faith. I am still too powerful for my own good because I'm afraid of losing control, and I don't want to trust anyone, even God, to help me. After encouragement from friends, I eventually took a chance and tried some trust. It took time before I saw any results, but it helped me develop the motivation to work my program more deeply and to learn to trust. And this is a very, very long process for me, and I'm the type of person who wants my my feel good now. And I want you know, I want instant gratification and I want it now. So the other prayer that I say and, and again it's out of this book that I think is wonderful. And this is part of my third step prayer in the morning. And it's, Lord, teach me patience and remind me it is hard work, but well worth my labor. 
and guide me in all I do to remember that waiting is the answer to some of my prayers. And when I need you, you will be there to help me. Thank you. The person who was going to speak um, called me a few days before coming to IDAA and she had had some um, family uh, health issues with her mom and had to go to Texas, so she wasn't able to speak. So I thought, okay, God. So when I got here, I just thought, just show me and, and help me ask someone who would be willing to do this. So I ran into Joan, really, but almost right when I came. and. Um, we were talking, and I asked her, and she most graciously accepted to talk on the God of my understanding. So I would like to introduce Joe Nell from Oklahoma City talking on the God of my understanding. Hello. Um, let's go ahead and start with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. Thank you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, my name is Joan Larson, and I am a grateful uh, member of the Worldwide Fellowship called Al-Anon. Um, my um, home group is the Serenity Seekers, which meets at 9 a.m. on Fridays at the Western Club in Oklahoma City. And um, my sponsor is a delightful woman named uh, Virginia W. who has 20 years in the program and um, actively attends at least four meetings a week. And she is a, a huge inspiration to me. And uh, I love that I get to go uh, to uh, meetings with her frequently and hear her share her experience, strength, and hope. Um, I'm honored today that I was asked to come and uh, share uh, on the God of my understanding. Um, I love this topic. It's the neatest thing. <laughs> um, um, recovery's given me the opportunity uh, to um, have a God of my understanding that's different than when I uh, came to my first Al-Anon meeting. Um, I love that the uh, Al-Anon um, and AA program embrace the ideals of honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And I think those three components are crucial to my recovery in Al-Anon. Um, I don't. Um, I I I didn't grow up uh, with the goal of um, marrying an alcoholic drug addict and and uh, having my life uh, transformed through Al-Anon, but I'm grateful today that um, the God of my understanding had this plan for me, um, uh, as has frequently been the case. Uh, 
my uh, higher power has um, infinitely better plans for me than I do for myself. Um, my um, my spiritual journey um, began uh, as a little girl. Uh, my parents decided to um, uh, join the Presbyterian Church because um, um, because my father's uh, mother was a uh, Pentecostal holiness person um, that went around, um, you know, um, being fired up about <laughs> about religion. <laughs> um, and my mother grew up Methodist, and so they found a happy medium, which was Presbyterian. And um, um, and I did uh, I did go to church as a little girl. And, uh, and I sang in the choir, and I loved singing in the choir, and I loved going to vacation Bible school. And that was a good experience for me. And then when I was uh, 11 years old, my family moved to uh, Oklahoma City from Tulsa, where I was born. And my father took a job as a, um, as a director, as a bureaucrat, a director of a state agency. And uh, my mother, um, who had always worked, um, uh, was uh, an RN. And uh, she worked, and, and when, when we were little, she would work nights and then be home with us during the day. I'm not quite sure how she did that, but... Um, <laughs> but she was very... Um, she was a high-functional manager, and, um, um, and I benefited from that. Um, my father liked to drink. He um, drank socially. Um, I, I have a sister-in-law who asked my mom once about my father and his drinking. And my mother said, yes, he would come home and he would um, have one mixed drink uh, or a beer. And then uh, gradually over time, he would have two. And then as the years went by, he would have three or he would have four or he would have five. And, um, but, um, that he didn't really have a drinking problem. And, um, my, uh, my sister-in-law told me this and I, and I chuckled and I said, yeah, and mom was counting. <laughs> <laughs> um, my father is an insulin dependent diabetic as well as my sister. And, um, um, as a result of his um, uh, lifestyle choices of being a social drinker and of smoking cigarettes uh, for years and years, he developed um, uh, kidney problems and uh, eventually had renal failure and uh, a kidney transplant. At the time that they transplanted his kidney, he was told that um, he would no longer be able to, that the only way that the surgeon would transplant a kidney would be if he no, long, no longer smoked, smoked cigarettes or drank alcohol. And at that point, um, my father stopped. And um, um, he likes to travel, and he likes to go south for the winter. And, um, and um, they've been married um, almost 45 years. And uh, um, theirs is a marriage that I personally would not want, but that they seem content with. My mother is a caregiver, and she will always care for my father. 
Um, what I know today is that I don't label alcoholic because it's not my place. Um, it, it is the place of alcoholics to label alcoholics. Uh, I've seen my father in, uh, uh, since his transplant have drinks on a couple of occasions. I saw him and my sister both have a beer at my older brother's wedding about a year and a half ago. And, um, and what I, what I came to understand about myself is that it went all through me that they were drinking a beer. Uh, they didn't drink five beers. They drank one. Um, now, they may have had both a piece of, of the chocolate groom's cake. And it wasn't until the next day that I appreciated the fact that it didn't bother me that they ate a chocolate cake. It bothered me that they drank alcohol. And that is my uh, hypersensitivity to alcohol as a, a source of, of a great deal of, of pain and misery in my life. And uh, so anyway, that's part of my ism, that sometimes I get real uncomfortable when the people that I love, uh, that I want uh, good health, um, and uh, you know, choose to to drink occasionally. Uh, I was also um, anyway. Um, that was an insight that I got, and and that's something that I get as a result of of the spiritual program of recovery that I have in Al-Anon. Is uh, you know, every day I wake up and I ask God for insight and understanding into my behavior, and my behavior is. Uh, my thoughts, feelings, and actions, that all of that stuff make up my behavior. Um, uh, my feelings are God-given. Uh, I have the whole range. Um, I, I, in recovery, wish to experience the heights of ecstasy as well as the depths of despair. And uh, in recovery, I've certainly had numerous and many opportunities for those feelings and today I embrace them as gifts from my higher power and uh, don't want to actively do anything to control those experiences. Um, when I came to Al-Anon I was pretty flat. I was numb. Uh, I didn't feel much. Feelings were terribly inconvenient and I didn't um, I didn't want them to get out of control. Um, in recovery, I've learned that uh, that's a symptom of living with alcoholism and drug addiction, is uh, that 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 sense of being disconnected from my feelings. Um, by that, um, by the time I, uh, when I moved with my family from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. My parents couldn't settle on a church home, and so we as a family stopped going. And uh, I can remember as a teenager in junior high um, uh, seeking a, a spiritual uh, Bible study, and my parents being concerned that I was being influenced by a cult. <laughs> um, you know, uh, what I was looking for was some spiritual guidance. Um, 
And the message that I frequently got from my family was to not trust people outside of the family. And, um, and that's, that's a difficult one. Uh, it's also the notion that, uh, that blood is thicker than water and, and, you know, family will always be there for you. Um, what I appreciate today is that, um, my family, my parents did the very best that they could. And I'm grateful today that I don't struggle with that anymore. That I understand and appreciate um, that that there's their path is the one that um, that their higher power. You know, they have a higher power, and their higher power sent them on this path, this journey. Um, it's not for me to say that uh, it should have been done differently. Uh, it, I don't. You know, I am a product of my upbringing. I'm a product of everything that's ever happened to me. And I'm grateful today that everything that's ever happened to me uh, is what transpired because I love the person that I am today. And I am so eternally thankful that I have a higher power today that's meaningful and that functions in my life and that um, that I want to hold close. That relationship inspires me. Um, I seek it. I, I am uh, I am attracted to other people who are on a spiritual journey. I love to go to Al-Anon meetings and hear people share about their conception of God. Um, you know, one of the things that I heard early in recovery is that religion is for people afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people who have already been there. Um, I like I like to say that um, if church had worked for me, that I never would have needed Alan on. That I that I could have found what I needed uh, in in the cathedrals and in and in through those church doors. Uh, I've said before that I think that uh, that church might function better if it was anonymous. <laughs> um, and, I, and what I know in, in studying history, and I have a love of history, is that, uh, uh, is that many things have been done in the name of, of Christianity, and, and many wars and, and lives have been lost in, in the struggle uh, for people to uh, force their religious beliefs uh, upon others. Uh, it, it saddens me greatly. And that's why one of the things that I truly love about the Al-Anon program and 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 about the inception of, of AA is that um, it's a spiritual program. It's not a religious program. And that um, we don't tell anybody what they have to believe. That we welcome uh, everyone uh, from whatever uh, spiritual uh, path uh, and encourage everyone to to seek. The answers to their to their spiritual questions. Um, I you'll hear me say higher power, and you'll hear me say God. Uh, I I use God because it's uh, shorter than higher power, and uh, that's just for me. Um, the God of my understanding, as I've said before, is different today than uh, what when I got here. Um, 
And when I started working the steps, what I discovered was um, that um, I had a hard time uh, admitting that I was powerless and that my life was unmanageable. I could acknowledge to most people as I, you know, wept through meetings um, that my life was unbearable, that truly um, the pain that I was had been living with was uh, more than I ever wanted to live with again, and uh, that all of my best thinking had gotten me there. Uh, in the rooms of Al-Anon where I, I never dreamed um, that I belonged. And yet uh, it didn't take me very long of coming to Al-Anon to recognize that I was truly a bona fide card-carrying member and that this was where I belonged because uh, my life was filled with alcoholics and drug addicts. I like to say that um, they give off a pheromone that I'm attracted to. And I just want to get out there and, you know, rub up against them and, and help fix them because, you know, God, they need my help. Um, you know, uh, this program's given me so many opportunities uh, to, to, to see the dysfunctional ways that I have tried to help alcoholics and to appreciate that um, the myriad ways with which I hurt myself and uh, the people that I love in response uh, to alcoholism and drug addiction. Um, one, of the, one of the big experiences that I had, one of my big spiritual experiences that I love to share um, about my, uh, the God of my understanding is an experience that I had on my first trip to um, Europe with my husband. I had been to Europe before and and Gary had always said that he would go with me. Um, but uh, he couldn't do that until his mother died. And, and that was the big um, um, deciding. And uh, um, um, my friends and family frequently referred to um, mine as the mother-in-law from hell. And um, um, and uh, this program in Al-Anon gave me the ability uh, to love her and accept her just the way that she was, acknowledging that she would never be able to love me the way that ulti- the way that initially, at least, I had needed her to love me. And uh, you know, um, it's amazing the changes that occur in life when you um, meet people where they're at in life on this spiritual journey of recovery that we're all on whether we realize it or not. Um, I believe that um, Al-Anon recovery is about death and resurrection. Uh, For me, it's about spiritual death and resurrection. Dying to the spirit that was... um, uh, my denial and uh, my ism, uh, and and being willing to look at life on a different plane of existence. Um, I think that um, that trip to Europe was um, was a real turning point for me. Um, two weeks before we were to leave, um, my husband and I have been attending a uh, an, a mixed Al-Anon AA meeting for about the last five years and uh, 
two weeks before we were to leave, our then uh, 17-year-old son, our oldest, um, he, um, we went to our meeting and came home and he had packed up all of his stuff and was gone. And left no forwarding address, uh, left no indication of what the problem was. We weren't aware that there was a problem. We, we actually had, in fact, thought we were all getting along quite well. So uh, it, it really came as a slap in the face. Um, and, and I had a lot of anger, and I had a lot of, of uh, uh, bewilderment that this would happen. And I had a lot of confusion about what I should do. We had this trip planned. Uh, we were going to London, uh, and then we were going to Paris for two days and on to um, a medical conference in Monte Carlo. And uh, it took a lot of talking to my sponsor and a lot of uh, uh, admitting my powerlessness and the unmanageability to get on that airplane and go across the sea and not know whether uh, my son was alive or not. Um, uh, we went to London and we stayed really busy. We went to lots of plays and running around doing all sorts of things and we started to slow down by the time we got to Paris. And um, on May 1st, it's a holiday in Paris. Um, they close up. <laughs> it's like their Labor Day. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, so I had been there before and I was, I had this, you know, burning drive to to show Gary everywhere that I, you know, that was so meaningful to me in Paris. And so uh, I bought tickets for us to go uh, to a concert at uh, Saint-Chapelle, which is a 16th century um, chapel uh, for the built to serve the King of France. And, um, and it was a, a concert of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I am not a, um, a classical music fan. I'm a rock and roll kind of gal. And uh, yet it was, for whatever reason, very important to me that he get a chance to see this gorgeous cathedral. And I didn't know if we would have time the, the remainder of the trip. So um, we went, and uh, and I sat there, and uh, and I heard, you know, Masterpiece Theater. Okay, <laughs> Vivaldi, Masterpiece Theater. And um, and I got quiet and I felt the presence of the God of my understanding. And the thought that occurred to me, uh, which I believe is, is um, uh, spiritually inspired, was that um, I could breathe in God and breathe out God. And that God was truly surrounding me and a part of me. And uh, that feeling of utter peace uh, was just incredible. And the appreciation that I had was that um, was in reflecting that that I could have this in spite of my doubts and my fears about my oldest son. And the mo- and when that happened, I had that sense that everything was going to be all right and that he was going to be fine, and that we were all going to be okay. Um, I, I explained all of this later to my husband, you know, the, the still calmness that came over me and that sense of lightness of being. And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, well, well, Joan, 
it was a good concert. <laughs> uh, I didn't experience it quite in the way that you did, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> and uh, and that's true of spiritual experiences. Uh, even if we're in the same space, breathing the same air, we don't necessarily experience life the same way. Um, I'm grateful today that the program of, of Al-Anon that I work gives me the ability to uh, not uh, need for anyone to uh, believe in uh, my concept of the God of my understanding. Um, I frequently, when I'm asked to explain the program to uh, newcomers, will tell them that, that uh, it's an opportunity to have a God of your understanding that's not the God of your grandparents or of your parents or of your neighbors or of your friends. It's the God of your understanding and it's a unique and individual experience. I say that I, um, that my conception of God is different. And the reason that I say that, um, in recovery is that, um, uh, I believe today that my higher power wants me to have my heart's desire. And I believe that uh, God loves me and, and, and adores me just the way I am today. I look, for, I look for experiences of God today in my daily life, every day. And I ask God for signs of his presence. Um, I do that because I want to be reminded that I'm loved and cherished. I want to be reminded that um, that I am imperfectly human, just the way my higher power intends for me to be today. Um, I believe that um, that I will be perfect when I'm six feet under, perfectly dead, just the way God intends me to be, and that that'll be soon enough for me to be perfect. You know, I, I I'm you know I'm. I'm one of those recovering perfectionists slash procrastinators that, you know, if you couldn't, if it, you couldn't do it perfectly, then it just probably wasn't worth doing. And, and, and that's a form of paralysis that, um, that I'm recovering from in Al Anon. Um, I believe that, um, that each and every one of us has a, a spiritual power that we can tap into. Um, I believe that my character defects block me from the sunlight of the spirit. And so my challenge is to let go of my character defects and face my fears and be willing to look at them and see the way, myriad ways with which um, the God of my understanding will reveal uh, to me uh, that power's will for my life today. Um, I love hummingbirds because I think they're miraculous creatures. And I look for um, uh, my higher power in nature, in, in beautiful sunsets and in sunrise, in, in you know, flowers, in trees. Um, I love art 
and I see my higher power in art. I believe that each of us has a, a God spark within us. And I, my, my challenge today is to be as intimately connected with the God of my understanding so that I can show you my God spark without worrying that you're going to dump on it. Um, that's a treasure that I have today, the knowledge and understanding that um, my children are precious to me and that I am a child of God. That, um, you know, when I heard that saying about God has no grandchildren, I didn't get it. You know, it, it was a concept that just, you know, everybody was going, wow, that's so profound. And, and I'm like, mm, gosh, I just don't get it. And I really didn't want to admit that I really didn't get it. But after about a month of kind of percolating and hearing it, because it was a little buzzword around Oklahoma City for a little bit, uh, it finally dawned on me that my children weren't going to get God through me. And I wasn't going to get God necessarily through anyone else. That it was a one-on-one -on -one deal. That I get to reach out and, and my concept of the supreme power in the universe reaches back and meets me halfway. But I have to be willing. I have to be willing to let go of my character defects. I have to be willing to look at my behavior and see the ways with which I've hurt myself and the people that I love. And be open to how God will reveal what I'm supposed to do each and every day. Um, gosh. I think, um, when, when I think about uh, the person that I imagined myself as a child growing up, it is not the person that I am today. I was not comfortable speaking to groups. I was really just barely comfortable with speaking with two or three people at a time. I was uh, brought up with this notion that to be a uh, wallpaper, you know, to just kind of melt in. And I had a hard time doing that because I had this uh, this awful habit of kind of walk into my own drama and and being a little rebellious and being, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I always felt strange and I always felt different. And when I came into Al-Anon, I could appreciate that we're all different people coming together to share a spiritual experience. Um, I love myself today. I've forgiven myself for the choices that I have made in my life. And I believe that the God of my understanding has forgiven me and was with me my entire life, whether I chose to acknowledge that or not. Um, those are the things that enabled me to work the steps in order. Those were the things that enabled me to get humble and acknowledge that I wasn't going to get better just going to one meeting a week. I wasn't going to get better talking to God when I had a problem I couldn't solve. I wasn't going to get better 
picking up the books, you know, once a week or so and, you know, thumbing through. The only way I was going to get better was uh, to to treat my program of recovery in Al-Anon as though my life depended upon it because I believe that it does. Um, I, I get it today. I really get it. I know that um, I can go to four or five meetings a week and feel very spiritually connected and and feel God's presence in meetings and hear my higher power talk to me through other people. And I get the aha. I can ask God on my knees every day for insight and understanding into my behavior. And I have stood up and had flashes of insight that just blow me away. And and know that th- these are little gifts from God. I'm, I don't get it all at the same time. I get to build on it. And it's through, you know, being willing to be open-minded and to go to any length. I um, I love this program. I'm passionate about Al-Anon. I'm passionate about service to Al-Anon. Um, my higher power recently led me to uh, to do service on a local level at at uh, on the board of trustees for for my Al-Anon office. And um, as I struggled with that and saw personalities and the problems that they that get in the way of, of uh, principles, I uh, I kept kind of going, God, what were you thinking? <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm so grateful today because it's a one day at a time program. Um, I don't get up every day and feel uh, on top of the world. Um, my life isn't without problems today. But I trust that every day that I get up and turn my will and my life over to a big God, a, a, a power that's so much bigger than the little God that I had when I came to Al-Anon, that all of this stuff will work out. I like to I like to say um, uh, this this kind of mantra thing, and it's God has a plan for my life and the lives of my loved ones, and I don't have to know what it is. And the freedom of that is that I have a higher power that's huge, that changes my perceptions and understanding of that power changes, and. Um, and I know that more will be revealed, and I know that um, that I get the power through powerlessness, that I get this program by opening myself up and being willing for whatever it takes, for whatever comes, opening my hands and saying, okay, it'll work. And I, and I see people in Al-Anon that keep coming back week after week, year after year, work in a program of recovery in spite of their fears, in spite of their trials and tribulations, in spite of the trauma of life that's a guarantee because we suit up and show up for life. And I 
feel truly honored that I get to walk this journey and that I don't have to feel like that I have to do it alone. Thank you.